Currently, 9 o'clock at night isn't time meaningless. What if, if I might suggest that with electric light, we've actually surpassed time itself in spite of our daily lives, right? It's actually quite possible that flight will ditch time zones and leave us at the height of our game. Fight at the pain, delivered at lack of time, fight at the lame. Tight as the rain, we follow Google Calendar, you noodle colander. This is Crescendo. The Crescendo Podcast official disclaimer. This podcast is not designed to offend, hurt, mentally damage, or in any way harm your well-being. The ideas released in this podcast are open to the world and welcome to interpretation. My hope is that it allows you to further solidify what you believe. Take a stance. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Maywood. This week's story is not an audio essay, but a work of fiction I wrote. I believe that the future described in this story is what will actually happen, not a cautionary tale or speculation. This field is rapidly changing and so are my thoughts, so I may go back and rewrite this episode. We'll call it The Chain. Take one. Enjoy. The sun shone through the gaping hole in the wall, shining on a lone figure in what seemed to be the center of a mid-century modern living room. It was an unusually warm day, and an industrial scent filled the room as heat beat down on her metal body. There Mia lay, unwilling to move. The sapien in her was laden with lethargy, turning her desire for movement the consistency of molasses. She rolled over. Something was pressing against her left appendage, sending a distress signal to the room. The space patiently notified Mia that there was a disturbance on her leg, to which she groaned. Groggily, the room reached down and grabbed a Lego piece from under her. The Lego brick beeped and whined incessantly, expressing discomfort at its removal from the warmth. Mia rolled back to the place where the Lego used to occupy. The cold floor pressed against the screws in her joints. As the arm lifted the Lego into the air, it let out a complaint about the cold. She pushed the message away in her mind, focusing instead on her plan for the day. Three hours ago, her torso started twitching incessantly, causing initial annoyance but giving way to intense hatred. Her vertebrae were an aftermarket replacement part, never quite the same as the original. The room she was lying in had the unnatural appearance of a sentient living area half-heartedly updated from an old bedroom, like a spaceship having an antique sale. Dust settled on the time-worn lamps creating lazy beams of light. Heat poured through the hole in the wall like the tsunami that just hit Japan. The room let out a sigh. After glancing at the time, Mia switched on her body and waited for its characteristic hum. Her torso twitched like an electrified insect. The room said its condolences. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. I'm a few years out of date, but I would be happy to find someone to get that fixed for you. She sympathized. The room's name was Emily, who recently moved into the bedroom. She was forced to leave her original homo sapiens body by the chain. The chain didn't mean her any harm, but it would serve someone else far better than it would assist her. The chain never intended any harm. It only acted for the betterment of others. Perhaps a construction worker needed it for a tricky job that a machine couldn't accomplish. Maybe the recipient required it only briefly. She might even receive her body back. Right now, the chain relocated her consciousness to the living quarters. I mean it. A room has its perks, but there's not much else to do but lie around and bide time away, Emily intoned. Half the time, I don't even feel like going to the places. After the introduction of mainstream virtual reality in the early 2010s, the field underwent a massive surge of growth and interest unparalleled in human history. Initial headsets were, quite literally, headsets requiring constant physical contact. They were cumbersome and inefficient, designed to play novel games. The next devices were lightweight glasses that wrote images directly onto the human retina. Still. 
they lacked real immersion. The following innovations were implants, a chip requiring surgery to embed. These allowed users to toggle between physical reality and virtual realities. Improvements in brain surgery gave the not-quite-mainstream realm of virtual reality new depth. Scientists and surgeons developed processes to separate and sustain a brain out of a body painlessly. Human rights advocates rallied furiously against the surgery, and the United Nations was forced to intervene. They passed a treaty that regulated, but permitted, the brain surgery. Millionaires and anyone with a credit card lined up at hospitals to ditch their bodies. A subculture emerged out of body losers and hospitals became the most dangerous places in town. Security guards at the entrances ensured the safety of wealthy clients. A removed brain attached to a slew of life support equipment came to rest in a high security warehouse. They required so many resources that owners enlisted millions of medical workers around the world for maintenance. Robots quickly replaced these workers. The gray matter went to places that didn't physically exist. These places were both a spatial and communal interaction between consciousnesses where everything was already known. Inside of the warehouses, owners wired brains together and instant communication allowed innovation faster than ever before. Societies of minds formed, some choosing to occupy bodies in the physical world, living as robots or rooms. Emily used to be a human and her brain came to rest in a warehouse. Mia stood up looking at her legs. The body was bothering her more than her previous few and it hadn't quite calibrated. Sometimes she missed a step and the ground would have to catch her. Hey. The ground never liked that, frequently threatening to call the chain to transfer her to a new body. The chain wasn't like the police of the past, the imperfect human law enforcement. Instead, it merely dictated the highest possible good. Changing bodies was only a threat because transferring a consciousness was annoying, a little painful and expensive. The ground's warning was mostly an empty one, and it didn't seem plausible that the chain would dictate the transfer over one misstep. In parallel to the virtual brain reality ran the increasing development of the blockchain, used mostly by Harvard graduates and cryptography geniuses. Few realized its potential, and most users weren't even aware of its existence. The Bitcoin blockchain was the first widely used one. Bitcoin proliferated for a remarkably long time in comparison to growth in the industry around it. By falling into the role of a traditional commodity like gold or corn, it was able to grandfather itself into the soon-to-be-dead financial world. The blockchain was not yet a well-known technology because it was too complicated for most people to understand, and it worked in silence in the background. It was only in 2031 that a book was released that explained it with any understandability. The author, Roger Tenier, explained the blockchain in a famous quote, Think of this technology as a frantic secretary taking minutes on a meeting. The participants in the meeting are talking very fast and it is her job to write down everything that everyone is saying on a sheet, making sure nothing is left out. This piece of paper she is writing on is the blockchain. As people make Bitcoin transactions, a piece of evidence of the transaction is written down on a universally understood public list. This massive list of Bitcoin transfers is secured and encrypted by a network of computers which accept transfer fees from senders as payment for making sure all the money travels safely. This is like the table under the secretary's list. To make sure it isn't going to fall and stay in place while she is writing, the list is supported by a nice, handcrafted mahogany table. One anonymous blockchain enthusiast, recognizing its potential, crafted a platform on which blockchain apps could be built like how the iPhone allowed coders to make software apps 
for specific purposes. Over time, a leading chain app emerged with the functionality to make executive decisions and read and write on the other chains. It came to be known as the chain and acted as an opt-in governing force. Mia gave the room a final glance to ensure it could be left by itself. She paused at the whole mall. They had been waiting for a maintenance drone to repair it, but it likely wouldn't come for a few weeks. The maintenance industry was struggling, something about a repair bot recall. She strode out of the room through a grimy oak door, a pillar of magnificent beauty left to rot. Emily bid her farewell and Mia walked down the deserted stairwell. A thought struck her. She frequently peppered herself with these sorts of questions. Emily believed her ponderings were needless. Why bother if one couldn't change the world? Was life better before or after the chain started orchestrating life? Mia pondered. The chain wasn't a person, a dictator. It, it dictated, but with no ego or human error. It always made the right decisions. Humans made mistakes, but computers made fewer mistakes. Surely the chain was a force for good. She strode through the door of her living complex onto the street. As soon as she stepped outside, Mia was overwhelmed by a delicious smell. The odor seemed to be coming farther down the unused asphalt road. Few walkers accompanied her. Most people were probably talking in the places, or else the chain recommended staying indoors for health purposes. Roads were rarely used except for the occasional emergency vehicle. It was cheaper for the US government to leave the infrastructure in place. The developers making the places soon created another surgery, allowing a half-human to join the places, with a few sacrifices in immersion quality compared to the permanent body ditchers. Even though three-quarters of her body was metal, she still held a fundamental desire for food. As a carrier, Mia needed both nutrients and electricity to live. Her intake was regulated by the chain, delivered once a week via a tube by Emily. The previous week, Emily accidentally dropped her iron requirement out of a hole in her wool, and anything with iron smelled delicious to Mia. The smell was wafting from a vendor at the local conglomeration of shops for full humans, and there was a small crowd of young, trendy people gathered at the corner. There was some interest in a new Chinese dish served through a nutrient tube like the one Mia used. An innovative chef had cooked long, sweet-smelling noodles to be eaten as they slid down the cylinder. A sauce was served on the side. Incredulously, Mia watched a spiky, red-headed girl tip back a vat of noodles as casually as one would watch a ground bot fight on a Saturday. The girl glanced in Mia's direction, making fleeting eye contact. The red-haired girl quickly looked away. Mia sighed. Will we ever be able to connect? She wondered to herself. Just because the chain went on my body doesn't mean I'm any different. Recently, tensions in the age-old conflict between the half-humans and the full-humans had spiked when a fight broke out in what was formerly Queens in New York. The chain did everything in its power to stop the fight, but no advice beamed into the rioters' heads could quell the pent-up rage between the species. Mia, as a character, just wanted to be able to live out her daily life. Wasn't that the chain's purpose? She wondered. To allow us to just live out our daily lives? She traveled down the patched up asphalt and turned the corner. Music was playing softly from a hidden speaker, a quiet, ambient sound probably designed to fill space, and which was determined to have a positive impact on her, organized by a music blockchain. Against her hesitation, she enjoyed it. The street she was striding down was mostly empty, which probably allowed the music algorithms to pick a song almost exclusively for her. 
As warehouses filled with sustained human beings grew, surgeons made another remarkable discovery. By fertilizing human eggs with tampered DNA, they were able to farm bodies that had no consciousness, who were completely oblivious to the world like vegetables. From their bodies, scientists harvested stem cells to grow brain matter. This technology was developed by a small group of wealthy private donors, secretly harnessing brain power in brain farms. In the most well-known whistleblowing operation to date, a chemist working on the project leaked photos of the brain farm. The photos engulfed the donors in scandal on the scale of the Nazi death camps in World War II. After the dust settled and several decades passed, thorough research was conducted on the technology, only to find that the results obtained by the scientists were legitimate and scientific. A shockwave of interest engulfed the world of neuroscience, giving birth to a new industry. The most potent combination of thought power came when the emerging brain farms began to wire themselves together with computers. When physically connected, the two had an incredible capability to make sure the blockchains were secure. When problems arose, brain matter took executive control, diagnosing them with data from the computers. With the emergence of the chain as an organizational force, networks of brain-computer power eagerly searched for work. The chain hired them to ensure every action was encrypted and protected. Mia spotted a park bench ahead of her and sat down. It felt good to have her body weight on something other than her legs. She rubbed her metal thighs. A bot polished them with synthetic beeswax. Bees were an endangered species. In the places, they were plentiful. They also didn't sting. Owners lulled swaths of eager businessmen and common people into a dreamlike state by the appeal of the places. That was how the owners marketed them, a dreamlike, perfect world. And they were. Isn't there power in pain? Mia wondered. Shouldn't we be happy for the contrast it provides? Her right leg throbbed painfully, shooting twinges down her torso. Machine pain wasn't quite the same as human discomfort. It was more direct, more functional, less organic. Mia struggled to be grateful for the irritation highlighting something amiss. Sunlight scorched her shoulders, forming puddles in the turf around her. A nearby photosynthetic factory released a payload of oxygen. Mia was a carrier, a machine body carrying an organic brain. The chain gave her body to a person who needed it more, and Mia accepted her new body without much remorse. How could one be angry at the chain that obviously orchestrated the best compromises? It understood that she wouldn't have any problems letting go of her body when he requested it. She could have opted out of the chain and kept her body, but it made more sense to choose a metallic replacement. It was better to stay connected to the world. Was she upset at her loss? Mia was uncertain. Perhaps. Was she grateful for the convenience the chain provided? Absolutely. She thought again of the places of their dreamlike utopian promise. She never felt the appeal of a perfect world that didn't feel realistic. She could have been wired in, keeping her body, but that didn't appeal to her either. Why try to live in two locations? Mia decided it was better to focus on one world than escape to multiple. The places were still primarily controlled by the chain, and the brains continued to work, paying for the resources that kept them alive. They were often the innovators, the minds solved problems and drove industry, something the brain-computer farms couldn't do. The farms weren't conscious, they were about as living as a field of corn. The corn still needed great, aware thinkers to work the land. Would Mia ever ditch her mechanical body and choose a synthetic, perfect reality? She crossed her legs, mulling it over. 
Out of the corner of her eye, she noticed a man walking down the street. He turned, bearings toward Mia's aging bench. She looked up. He wore red pants and a vibrant button-down shirt, a somewhat old-fashioned look, she thought. Most humans wore only full-body haptic suits to regulate temperature and pressure. Perhaps the man was concealing one under his flashy clothes. The man walked with a brisk stride, walking quickly and deliberately. He glanced over his broad shoulder at Mia on the bench. Instead of averting his eyes, he held his gaze. His head gave a little twitch. Was that a request to sit down? There's plenty of room next to her, she nodded. He changed direction and strode towards her, taking a seat to her left. A moment passed. They both stared ahead at the photosynthetic facility. A deep hum filled the air swirling around them, filling the space between them on the bench. At last, he spoke. What are you doing today? The humming stopped and a profound silence devoured the still air. Mia paused. What did this man want? Part of her wanted to remain rooted to the spot, but interactions were becoming so rare that she was transfixed. I was headed to the doctor to get my torso fixed, she hesitated. Why should she give the information to this stranger, one that had a living torso? The man's twitching smile piqued her interest, comforted her anxieties. In the distance, a siren wailed. The smell of noodles wafted around them, intertwining their senses. Mia added, There's a sort of twitching problem. Her chest made a quick back and forth motion as if on cue. The man nodded. He turned around to face the industrial plant. He didn't ask any more questions, just sat patiently, watching the waning sun begin its journey into the horizon. A dash of gold slowly lit up the sky. As the minutes glided by, Mia's initial hesitation vanished as the air transformed into a canvas of colors. Mia and the man sat together, watching their quantified world melt into nothingness. Before long, the sun waved its goodbye and light slipped away behind the hum of a million factories. Crescendo Podcast is written, recorded, produced, mixed, and published by me, Maywood. Every track you hear on this show is my original content, with the exception of the intro and outro track, which was written by Acids and Last Voyage and published on Distance Records. You hear it everywhere, but it actually does help when you subscribe on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much to Cry to Form, who designed the purple logo. Thanks to John Hargrave, father, blockchain enthusiast, talented chef, and slap bass player for your continued support and encouragement. And thanks to the staff and friends on Cream Dart for the feedback and good vibes. You just listened to half an hour of content that you hopefully enjoyed, and I'll keep the money talk short and sweet. My challenge for you today is this. I don't believe that you will donate some Bitcoin. My challenge for you is to be the person that stands up for independent content creators. Prove me wrong and donate a few dollars of Bitcoin to the address that can be found in my bio on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else. Just copy and paste the address into the send part of your app. Best of luck. Good night, Jake. Uh, good night, Jake.